Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. This year, NRCM Rising launched the Brookie Awards. This is a new program to honor six outstanding young environmental leaders in Maine. The inaugural group of Brookies gave talks about their work in June, and they shared the vision and values that motivate them. In this episode, you'll hear from Anya Wright, a 23-year-old climate activist from Bar Harbor. Here's Anya. I am a part of a broken system that is hurting people. I grew up in a suburb of Portland, Maine, with access to good public education, public safety, and resources. I came from a town that has the reputation of being white and affluent. I grew up interested in saving our planet. I saw it as a problem related only to our relationship with the environment. We didn't recycle enough, we used too much gas, and we didn't care about the natural world we are living in. And oh, how much that has changed since then. I've gone from someone who is interested solely in stopping climate change to a full-blown radical climate justice activist. It turns out that our relationship to the environment isn't the only thing that causes climate change. The roots of climate change are systemic issues which are integral parts of our society, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about them now. Capitalism has led us to put profit in front of people. Instead of valuing our future generations, corporations value profits now at the expense of our planet and people in the future. This is seen in continued investment in fossil fuel infrastructure and monoculture farming, practices that we know will not benefit people in the long run. The way that the U.S. came to be, white people displacing Native people through colonization and implementing our own Western practices onto other countries, has led us to believe that we have dominion over land and people. And these scars of colonialism are still seen all over the world today through the continued destruction of our environment and through the oppression of indigenous people. Racism has made communities more susceptible to the climate crisis. As has been seen in the US with COVID-19, communities of color have been harder hit because they are more likely to be on the front lines essential workers or in highly populated areas or at a higher risk for illnesses related to the environment and their surroundings. Redlining and gentrification leads to denser neighborhoods with smaller houses so people can't distance. Our broken justice system leads to higher rates of Black people to be incarcerated where huge COVID outbreaks are and rates of pre-existing conditions are higher in Black communities because of disproportionate rates of poverty and unemployment due to our broken economy and social systems which make the likelihood of death from COVID even higher. The same is seen in environmental disasters with communities of color and low-income communities, often being last to see funding or relief. So not only is it essential for communities of color to be a part of the conversation on climate solutions from a moral standpoint, but for many communities, it's life or death. Sexism and our gender roles have led to the climate crisis impacting gender disproportionately. Globally, women are often more dependent on the natural environment for income or are unlikely to be financially independent. And as the fight for climate justice is increasingly led by women all over the globe, so arise concerns of how their voices are delegitimatized due to their gender. And all of these problems needed to be solved yesterday. So in a way, no matter where you start the work, it's not soon enough and I hate to break that to you. But don't let that get you down for too long. 
as someone who's from a community that benefits from these systems, a community that is mostly white, affluent, and educated, it is my responsibility to call out these systems and do the work to change them. And now this is much easier said than done. It's pretty hard to figure out how to best address these systems on a small scale. So let me give an example of something that has been successful to me, something hopeful to take with you today. This past December, I attended the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, 25th Conference of the Party, which is a long name, but this is a meeting that happens every year and brings together over 30,000 negotiators, diplomats, activists, and academics from all over the globe for negotiations on the climate crisis. And what I found was that this conference was just perpetuating the systems of injustice that I just spoke about, which is extra sad considering all the positive press that it got. At the conference, I sat in on negotiations for two weeks while I was there, listening to negotiators go back and forth on the same sticking points that they had been on for years. I listened to countries insist that human rights language be taken out of an article. I listened to the US block an article that allowed countries to have stronger goals. I listened to countries most susceptible to the climate crisis be silenced and ignored. And at the end of the day, the agreements that they were talking about weren't even legally binding, which doesn't make you feel very uplifted. In that room, it makes you feel absolutely crazy that people aren't talking about people. They're talking about power and economics and keeping business as usual and protecting those systems that I just talked about. So in contrast, here's the hope. I've been working with high school students in Bar Harbor on writing legislation for the local town council to pass a climate emergency bill and establish a climate emergency task force. And something that has been so critical in our work is figuring out a way to do things the opposite of how they're being done at the international level in a way that is inclusive and understanding of all voices. And so this has looked like holding multiple stakeholder meetings with local residents, local business owners, students and other representatives who are both being affected by climate impacts now and who will be in the future. The systemic issues that seem so overwhelming on the international level feel so much more manageable in Bar Harbor. We have been able to ensure that everyone's voices are heard and that we talk about people and how to protect our town now and in the future in a way that isn't gonna perpetuate these systems of injustice. We're gonna to have to make some pretty bold changes in Maine and everywhere around the world. And yes, it's gonna be somewhat inconvenient. We may not have the largest population in Bar Harbor or the largest climate impact, but we have to act now not only to protect our livelihoods here, but also to save the lives of millions across the globe who are already being affected by this crisis and who are losing hope of justice in the face of it. So we must stand with black people, people of color, indigenous people, people in poverty, women, youth, and other local communities whose lives are already being devastated by climate change and who are losing hope of justice. So I ask you today to do two things. Ask yourself what your role in these systems is and how you can change it. And next, reach out to grassroots organizers at local, state, federal, or international levels and see how you can get involved because we can't be successful until everyone's involved. Thank you. Thank you for listening to NRCM's podcast, Frontline Voices. To learn more about Anya's work, please visit brookieawards.org.
please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. Thanks for listening.